There is no woman in the country who we are not trying to reach. These are makers. This is makers. Las primeras. These are makers. This is the makers. This is the makers podcast. Hello and welcome to the makers podcast. I'm your host Amanda McCall, and today we're going to talk about heroes, specifically female heroes, aka sheroes. My five-year-old godson Quinn recently left me a voicemail. Why does Superman get to wear clothes and Wonder Woman just wears underpants? I knew I had to call him back with an answer, but the problem was I didn't really have one. I had a really good guess, but you don't need a degree in child development to know that you probably shouldn't call up a five-year-old and say, it's because she's an overly sexualized product of adult male fantasy grounded in centuries of female objectification. Deal with it. I had to think this through a little more. I knew that Wonder Woman is a symbol for strength and girl power. I know that Gloria Steinem put her on the cover of Ms. Magazine back in 1972, and if Gloria likes her, she's probably good. I know she was created back in 1941 and has had numerous iterations since then, all various versions of the same bikini-type short skirt bra top. I did notice one common thread, though. Since her debut in 1941, Wonder Woman, the first female superhero, is, for the most part, completely man-made. Created by, illustrated by, developed by men. In this sense, if we actually want to change the way women are depicted in media, and especially in children's media, we might have to start changing who's doing the depicting. And no one is better proof of that than screenwriter Linda Wolverton, whose work includes Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent, and my personal favorite, Beauty and the Beast. When I was writing Beauty and the Beast, I knew that our heroine was going to meet the beast and confront the beast. So she had to be a strong enough character to do that. I set out deliberately to not create a character that was the perfect victim, the poor stepchild stuck in the basement, scrubbing the floor, waiting for the prince to come and save her. And I just didn't think it was right to shove that idea down the throats of generations of young women. But the idea of this new Belle didn't go over well. There is a scene that I wrote where Belle is waiting for her father to come back. And she's putting pins on the map to all the wonderful places she's going to go. So I brought the pages in that day. And I went away and I came back the next day. And Belle wasn't putting pins in a map. She was baking a cake. She was in the kitchen. Belle was in the kitchen. So I, I, I wasn't happy. I had to imagine every day that I was going to war. I literally imagined putting on the flak jacket, putting on my helmet, because I was going to war to fight for what I believed was the right thing, for this new woman that I wanted to see in the world, that we needed, that we need. So for me, it was a righteous fight, and it was worth it. Just like animated films, the world of comics has mostly presented an extremely limited view of the world, one that's primarily white and male. 
and one where 75-year-old Wonder Woman is still running around in her underpants. The director of content at Marvel Comics, Sana Aminat, is working to change that. Aminat was born in Queens, New York in 1982 and raised in suburban New Jersey. I'm from a pretty big family. I have three older brothers and a lot of extended family members who have been living in and out of our house for years. My parents were both born in India and they met in Lebanon. They went to the American University in Beirut. My mom had three boys and I don't think that she was expecting to get pregnant with me. <laughs> and it was very much a huge thrill for her to have a daughter finally. I grew up in Montville, New Jersey. Montville was overwhelmingly Caucasian. We were the minorities of, <laughs> of that town. My mom started a mosque and an Islamic center. In the beginning, it made me feel very separate because I was constantly reminded that you are different from everybody else. You have a background, you have culture, you have things to believe in. But when you're, you know, eight years old and you don't have the cool clothes that your friends have or your mom doesn't know how to style your hair and your lunches, you don't really know what they are. <laughs> it's a little tough. When I was in middle school, this was the first World Trade Center bombing in the 90s. I remember this kid coming up to me in the middle of class, middle of the day, saying, hey, um, you better tell your people to stop attacking us. And it was a really defining moment for me because it really kind of woke me up a little bit about the realities of people's perceptions. It was shocking to me. People creating these definitions and equating Muslim with terrorist and Islam with hate. I was just sort of punching against nothing, punching the air. How could I ever defend myself and defend my people? I didn't have a podium. It was then that Aminat discovered a team of misfits that would transform her sense of different for years to come. I discovered the X-Men series and completely fell in love with characters like Storm and Gambit and Rogue and Jubilee. Fundamentally, it was these characters that looked very, very strange and didn't look like anyone else. You had this strong black woman with white hair who could control the weather and a young teenage girl running away from home because nobody understood her. You know, fundamentally, I was a mutant. I was different. I didn't look like anyone else. Through the lens of these characters, I felt a sort of, you know, liberation with being a misfit and saying that not only is it, you know, okay, it's completely amazing and powerful. Anytime someone challenged who I was, it created a definition of who I was based on stereotypes, based on misperceptions. And really, this was the beginning of my own origin story of realizing that your differences make you stronger. I had this sort of fire light up within me that made me realize that I was going to change their mind. And I didn't know how, and I didn't know when, but I knew, I always knew it was going to happen. Determined to become a storyteller in the comic book world, Aminat joined the Marvel team in 2009. You're in an industry where there are not a lot of women, but there are also not a lot of brown women. I sort of went in with my eyes closed. Never did I think Ms. Marvel would come out of it. I just really wanted to share some great stories. While still an editorial associate, she stumbled on a revolutionary idea and a revolutionary character. Kamala Khan came from uh, a very casual conversation between myself and my senior editor, Stephen Wacker. We were just talking about my childhood experiences, me wearing uh, tights under my shorts in 90 degree weather and running around playing lacrosse. 
he was like very fascinated by it. He's like, oh, you had a very different childhood than I had. And I remember him coming in, you know, the next day and saying, it would be so great if we were able to, you know, have a character like that, like uh, for the, the sunnas of the world out there. We kind of just laughed and chuckled and I was like, is this something that we can do? Like, is this a realistic possibility? For those of you not familiar with Marvel Comics, the original Miss Marvel was created in the 1970s, and she had long blonde hair, blue eyes, and apparently used the same tailor as Wonder Woman. Aminat set out to create a new, modern version of this character. And in 2014, Marvel introduced the world to her creation, the new Miss Marvel, a 16-year-old Muslim-American girl from Jersey City named Kamala Khan. As the superhero, Miss Marvel, Kamala dons a distinct, culturally-influenced twist on the typical superhero costume, one that's far more similar to Superman's than Wonder Woman's, and a lot more useful. She has a long tunic and tights underneath, and she has sort of this scarf that she uses to sort of trap bad guys. It's very similar to a South Asian outfit. We made a very significant decision by saying, we don't want her hair covered. She's a modern American teen. When Kamala dares to sneak out of her window one night, she unexpectedly discovers she has a polymorph power, the power to change her body into any form of her choosing. When Kamala Khan gets her powers for the first time, she has this ability to change her body. There's so much in there, you know? What do you decide? You have the ability to look like anything, um, be anything. What, do, what are you going to decide to do when you're 16 years old and very impressionable? In Kamala's mind, the only way for her to be powerful was to be able to be, you know, a blonde, blue-eyed girl. That decision came from a direct experience of, of my own self-perception when I was younger. I sort of made up stories about a different version of Sana. I always, no matter what, I painted them as a white character. At one point, her name was Christina. In the series to date, she's defended Jersey City from this bad guy named The Inventor. And Kamala has made the decision to own her identity, to own being Ms. Marvel in her true form. She realized in a conversation with her father that she is perfect as she is, and that sort of defense of her identity is one of the most important things that she needs to continue to do. Since its launch in 2014, Miss Marvel has gone into an astonishing seven printings. It's consistently been on the New York Times bestseller list and was named Marvel's number one digital bestseller of 2014. We completely blew people's expectations. Even men and boys of all ages, races, have fallen in love with this character. And multiple people have come up to me and said, this is our new Spider-Man. And I remember my dad always coming back to me and being like, okay, okay, no matter what you do, just make sure it helps people. It's fundamentally about being unique and about finding a way back to yourself. I hope that Kamala Khan becomes a classic Marvel character that, you know, decades from now, people will be talking about her like they talk about Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I think that's possible for sure. Okay, so I'm sure you're all on the edge of your seats waiting to hear what answer I gave my five-year-old godson. Why does Superman get to wear clothes, but Wonder Woman only wears underpants? Well, I didn't call him back and try to summarize the history of female objectification in Western society. I wanted to wait until he's at least seven for that. Instead, I called him and told him about Miss Marvel. And then I bought him a Miss Marvel comic book poster, which now hangs on his bedroom wall right next to a picture of Superman. 
Thank you for listening. And to learn more about Linda Wolverton, Sana Amanat, and other real-life female superheroes, go to makers.com. 